Hello and welcome to A Drink with Detroit, a podcast where we hear stories from Detroiters and those visiting the Motor City. My name is Hilary Sachuk. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Instagram. You can find us at a drink with. We want to hear from you. Who uh, should we be chatting with in Detroit? What are your favorite parts of these conversations? What do you want to hear more of? Um, Don't hesitate to reach out. And seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening um, and tuning in to a drink with Detroit, the podcast. Do you go by Ethan Daniel Davidson, or do you prefer Ethan Davidson? For music, music. I do Ethan Daniel Davidson. Okay. Because it right. sounds like a president or a psychopath. That's what I have down. I just wanted to, I wanted to like triple check. Um, and you are a music, musician, singer-songwriter, but then, you know, your family is a big part of Detroit's history, yeah. Um, yeah. own the Pistons. 74 to 2011 yes oh my gosh so and um you're now you know carrying out your father's um vision with william davidson foundation so we have a lot to talk about (laughs) and you seem like a really interesting guy i have lots (laughs) Uh, and we're gonna we'll we'll toast we'll we'll cheers to detroit cheers drinking coffee today yeah exactly well they're gonna coffee there it's gonna ruin my image i'm afraid to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i i want to dive um kind of into your most recent album sure. crows and which mm-hmm. is your seventh album it's actually or i think under under l- my name it's like my 10th oh, okay yeah okay wow yeah um i kind of love this theme of Con- connecting with people that's kind of like a thread throughout the album and yeah. um, also people having trouble with relationships yeah. so we're just gonna like go deep <laughs> fast sure. and I'm curious um you know what what's that well you know what's that all about well I'm interested in um you know trying to have relationships with people and to and to do a better job of that myself you know I think especially um uh to not treat people only as um as as an object in some way and i don't mean just like in a um in an intimate relationship but it could be with anybody that you interact with anywhere i mean this person that is waiting on me at a, a restaurant or at you know i mean in general wherever you go walmart or something it's a human being that i'm interacting with not just somebody that's uh taking my that's you know they're they're not only there to take my order and to take my money yeah right? i mean everybody that i interact with is is a human being mm-hmm. right they're not a thing and uh that doesn't mean that i have to spend a a lot of time, you know, getting to know them necessarily. I mean, it's different if I'm with a friend or something. But, um, you know, I want to, you know, make sure that I'm uh, conscious of people's uh, basic humanity. That's you know. And when did this kind of cl- hit, hit you that well, you maybe need to improve <laughs> on that? Or that um, <laughs> there when I discovered moment? that I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's just, no, I don't know. I, I, um, you know, I grew up, uh, going to, uh, uh, 
Jewish, um, you know, philosophical school. I, I don't call it religious, but a uh, Jewish philosophical school up until I was like the age of 13. So the stuff was, you know, um, stuff was always in the background, you know, uh, background of, 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 you know, my mind. And, um, but I think that, uh, you know, more so in the last 10 years, as um, we don't have really relationships as much with people face to face, we have like virtual relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I really started to think, you know, while we're we're in an age now where people are um, not people, they're uh, they are the number of virtual friends that I have, and so they're now my f you know friends, quote mm. unquote, are um, just commodities. Yeah, and that's not a good. That's a real you know, devaluation of what a friend is. You know, I'm sitting with you face to face right now, you know, trying to, you know, we're trying to have like a conversation as one human being to another human being. Yeah. You know. And, and nothing can replace that really. No, not nothing replaces that. Um, how do you, so then aside from just making, you know, what, what do you believe is the best way to connect with someone? I, I started a drink with because I feel like yeah. whether it is a cup of coffee or a glass of wine like you kind of in a relaxed setting you're able to like sure. open up and and um so how do you what do you think is the best way to connect with someone well a drink is good <laughs> a, a fire is good you know yeah a, a campfire is good um a road trip is good yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean it's you really get to know someone on a long road, trip. A long road <laughs> trip well that's how my wife and i met we our first date was um our first date was driving uh from detroit to uh to Denver, so for no, no way. Yeah. For yeah. what were you guys? Where were you guys? What were you driving for? Um, well, I was driving there anyway, and I asked her if she wanted to come. I had never met, really met her before. I'd only heard her voice on a recording, and um, so I asked her if she wanted to drive with me to to Colorado. And she said yes. And she said yes. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So okay, while well, we're t so you, um, on this album, you worked with your wife as well, right? Yeah, on the last uh, couple I have. Yeah. What is the key to um, working with a significant other? Um, well, you know, it's funny. So we met. Uh, we we worked very briefly, kind of. I mean, she sang on a record I did like ten years ago or twelve years ago, but we weren't in the studio at the same time, so I didn't meet her. Um, but then. And then after that, you know, that's when I was doing music kind of professionally and touring all over the world and this kind of thing. And then I quit doing that. I was just, um, you know, I developed these problems with, and this kind of goes back to the relationship mm -hmm. thing. I developed a problem with my relationship with music, and I really couldn't couldn't do it anymore. And um, and I went through some years of that where I couldn't touch a guitar, I couldn't sing a song. I just, you know, I went from playing, I was playing mm. 150 shows a year to doing nothing. And then my wife and I, you know, we met, we, um, you know, Gretchen and I met and, and got married. And then she wanted, to, you know, she was kind of pushing me to maybe do some music again. So these last three records, um, in terms of working with her and collaborating, she's been like the uh, enabler, I guess. Mm -hmm. She's been the one to really push me to do it. Otherwise, I don't think I would, you know, I mean, for me, it's like a hobby now. Right. It's not really a profession anymore. But there was a time between the profession part and the hobby part where it was really like um, uh, excruciating for me, and I couldn't, I couldn't, 
I couldn't even do music. Yeah. And so it's uh, she's helped me to be able to do it again. You know, but I, I got afraid to be in front of people musically for a while after playing thousands of shows. Why do you think mm-hmm. that happened? Uh, because I think it didn't. Um, I, it the music thing didn't work out the way that I wanted uh-huh. it to work out. I had hoped. You know, I'd been on the road for years. The records were in stores, and I if I kept thinking, you know, if, if I can. I think it was a little, probably a little bit too goal-oriented, if that's the right way to put it. If I can just make the music be sort of financially self-sustaining, you know, I don't have to be a big... I mean, I'm doing, like, singer-songwriter stuff, mm-hmm. old-timey kind of stuff. It's not like it's going to sell a million records anyway, but if it can sell 20 records... <laughs> yeah. And, of course, it never did, and it was just never... So I think I was putting too much on it to be... Um, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> ...some measure of success, right? Yeah. And then when that didn't work out and I ended up... Uh, um, you know, with, uh, with, you know, at least no money to continue putting into it, um, and had to kind of, you know, come back to Detroit after 15 years or something. And, uh, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, my only relationship with music was this like huge failure. And, um, so that was made it impossible for me to do music. Yeah. What, um, was it like, um, easing back into it? that yeah was it like just strumming on the guitar or like writing a song what was that first like moment when you went back into it and then it started to kind of light that fire again well weirdly enough um so you know I didn't do any music for for several years didn't even I mean I I wouldn't even play guitar for myself I didn't Mm -hmm. have that ability anymore and then Gretchen you know wanted to do this and she hooked me up with Warren DeFever and they booked some studio time. And, I mean, I didn't even have, like, any songs or anything like that. And meanwhile, um, my stepmom is, like, selling the, the pistons. Um, you know, this was just after my dad died. Mm. And I get a call from Tom Gorris, who, you know, now owns the pistons. And I'd never met him before. And <laughs> Tom calls me. And I'd spoken to him on the phone once, but we never met face-to-face. And he calls me and he says, I'm flying to Detroit tonight um let's meet up and just whatever you're doing just cancel it i want to spend some time with you and i said well i can't really do that and he said well you know why not and and i said well i'm you know supposed to record with these people tonight i haven't recorded anything like i'm finally back in the zone back in the zone and 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 he says oh great i'll come and i said no i said don't these guys don't know anything about you know about Detroit Pistons or anything like that. And I said, don't, don't come. I mean, with all due respect, don't come. And so I'm driving to the studio. It's a raging blizzard, middle of February. And I get a call from Tom and he says, we just landed in Detroit. Where's the studio? So, um, so I'm like, well, it's at, you know, John R and nine miles (laughs) behind a carpet shop in Hazel park. And, um, uh, so, um, he comes out there and we meet in this alley in the middle of the night in a raging blizzard. What? This sounds like a movie. And and so I said, <laughs> and I hadn't, you know, again, I don't have any songs and I don't, so I'm like, okay, Tom, I'm like, no, we're not, we're not talking about any basketball, but um, come on in and here's a tambourine. And so we made this record um, called Silvertooth uh, at that time. And um, it's probably the only record in the history of music that has 
um, about to be former NBA owner and about oh to be God. future NBA owner playing on the same record. And I thought for sure that would sell a million copies, and that didn't sell right. a million oh copies either. What? So he. he <laughs> that's how I got. That was the first time back in the studio. Wow, that's so interesting that yeah. it's kind of two things are happening in the, at that moment. It's yeah, like this next chapter of music and then also this next chapter of the Pistons all in right, 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 the right. same exact moment. Kooky stuff. What did, and he just kind of wanted to like get to know you. and He just wanted to get to know me. And, you know, we've become good friends. And, and you know, he's he's always been very generous with me. And, um, you know, we, we've become close. But it started with that... Um, you know, he, I, he, you know, was um, unguarded enough, let's say, to, you know, allow me to thrust a tambourine into his hand and be part of the percussion group. And he's on the, so he's on the record. He's on a handful of songs on that. Does he have any musical background? Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone pretty much? Well, I think, look, I mean, I don't mean to stereotype, you know, he's... Um, uh you know um he he i think his one parent is is uh is greek his other parent is <laughs> lebanese so you know he's got like you know i mean the boy's got rhythm yeah okay <laughs> okay i have to go back to this car ride really quickly cuz sure. it's not how that's a lot how many hours is that uh With, I, like so you had never hours. met and you guys hopped in a car for 24 hours? I've only ever heard her voice at that point, you mm. know, and uh, I wasn't living in Detroit. She was from here, but, you know, I hadn't been in Detroit other than to play a show. I hadn't been in Detroit in 15, and she said, okay. years. And I called her. And I said, I'm coming through Detroit. Can I pick you up and drive? And I've got to go to Colorado. Will you drive with me? And she said, okay. So that was our first date. So you have so to be careful. You know, they, your parents... Your parents probably told you don't get into the van. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I have some friends that like freak out if it's like, a, like the first date is like a dinner date. They'll only do a drink because a dinner is a too much commitment. But right. look what happens. You could jump in a car ride and then yeah. with your husband of the, of the future. Sure. Oh my gosh, could that's happen. so good. Um, what do you... Um, okay, so you traveled the world in your 20s. 20s and 30s. 30s, yeah. and then in your 30s, you went to U of M. No, I was oh, going to U of M on and off the. Okay. You know, I I did um, my undergraduate stuff at U of M, and I I kind of crammed a couple years into like one long year at U of M, like in my mid. Okay. Would you say um, what did you miss the most about about Detroit during your travels? Was there anything you took for granted that when you like, well, came back. You know, sometimes you have to leave to like appreciate what yeah. you have type right. type thing. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything that um, really stood out about the city of Detroit? Well, the best thing for me about Detroit in those days when I was gone was that, um, which is not something that you really had to leave. Everybody in the world knows about Detroit, and um, and uh, Detroit had a you know unfortunately kind of a bad reputation then. But you'd say I'm from Detroit and. People would say, you know, oh, I'm sorry, or is it as yeah. bad there as I hear it is, you know, and all this, don't, don't they light houses on fire there and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I had, um, you know, I lived down in the Cass Corridor in Detroit for a year in the late 80s, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, it was really bad, and they were like on Devil's Night 
they burned down like 800 homes or whatever. And um, the city was a lot more crowded. You know, you know, there was still like well over a million people, but it was like really desperate. And uh, after a year of that, I'm like, man, I'm getting <laughs> out of here, <laughs> and I'm never going to come back to Southeast Michigan. There's like way more uh, interesting place. I mean, it's uh, I don't mean to offend anybody, but that you know, I just was not like I wasn't. I could be like in New York or something. You know, I could be anywhere. Right, right. right. And um, I just really, I was a you know, I going to be honest I was a real naysayer I thought it's just never gonna I can't see how Detroit was ever gonna get was ever gonna get fixed I'm sorry to say it was so you know yeah a lot of people people had let it go that. for so long and the worst part is that there were, there were always obviously people living here in the city with no way to get out and no opportunity for a good education I mean the system had failed them and, you know, I'm, I was a kid. What was I supposed to do? So are you shocked to see what's happening now? And Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Right. I swore that I would never come back. And <laughs> I've been back here now for a dozen years, and um, it's a different place. It's still, you know, a long way to go. Look, this area that we're in now down here is great. Yeah. But 90% of the city is the same as it always was. It's mm-hmm. terrible. If you're like a kid living out here having to rely on Detroit public schools, you know, God bless you. Yeah, it's, I think you know, it's the important. The system is still failing you. I don't know how you know, and it's not. It didn't collapse overnight. It's not. We're not going to be able to fix it overnight. But hopefully, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with the William Davidson Foundation, you guys do so much around the city as well with yeah. um, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and the DIA and yeah, yeah. Um, the Michigan Opera Theater. Yeah, and um, we helped also with the Riverfront, and and we do a lot of stuff also through. Um, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystem stuff too that we do sort of that's, um, you know, I think probably as big or bigger impact than the cultural stuff, but it's not as, um, since it's not the big cultural buildings, um, you don't hear as much about the entrepreneurial stuff. It's yeah, not oh, cool. As, but so you know, what is, what is some of that stuff? Well, you know, look, people need to, people need to, people have businesses here in this, you know, if you're out in the, in the, um, in the neighborhoods like this is through work we do with the um new economy initiative or endeavor detroit or um the um venture for america and that you know there's people out there that have businesses they might just you know they might have a nail salon in their basement or something like that and they have a cash business but they don't know how to really um grow that Mm -hmm. so you know what people need is is financial literacy what people need is uh access to capital so they can grow their businesses so you know we help out behind the scenes with providing some of the funding we'll do that through another agency right and um but i think you know uh look my father was um never really that interested in promoting himself Uh so the foundation uh you know a lot of what we do tends to be pretty under the radar you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, yeah, but it's a big, you know, but the you know it still has a big impact. So I um I don't know if you said this or I read something that said that your father had a quietly powerful personality. Yeah, is would that is that tr- a true yeah. a true way to describe him? And yeah. um, what were some of his best business um advice or even like life lessons? He had, uh, there were a lot of them, you know. He did not. Um, 
didn't really tend to panic about anything. <laughs> you know? Could stay it calm. Was pretty, pretty, pretty even, like all the time. Um, he didn't. He didn't really say anything if there wasn't anything worth being said. He w didn't have to like. He didn't have to talk. Um, and he, but then, but because of that, because he saved his words for when they were really necessary, he could like change the whole direction of whatever it was mm. with like a couple of, you know, half dozen words. It was crazy. Um, and, uh, but you know, his thing always, my cousin who works with me on the Davidson foundation reminds me of this one all the time, which I think is a good one. My dad would always say to, in response to anything, um, would be great. And now what? So if something good happened, it'd be great. Now what? If something really bad happened, great. Now what? So mm. it wasn't like, oh my God, panic, have a bad, you know, some kind of bad reaction. It's like, okay, this is what's happening. And so now let's move on. Well, let's move yeah. on. Right. And, um, I remember when, um, like two months before he died, uh, and this is like January of 2009. So it was like right before uh, the economy in this, you know, basically around the world mm -hmm. like hit hit the bottom. But the sky was kind of already falling, and he was addressing the um, uh, the shareholders at Guardian Industries, and um, he was, you know, he wasn't that well. But he said, okay, base, you know, what he basically said was, look, the sky is falling out there the the world economy is tanking but you know we're guardian is going uh, into this without a lot of debt um you know with with uh you know we've got uh we've got a lot of cash in our um in our pockets this is a time to go out and and buy things you know everybody mm -hmm. else is like freaking out because the world is on fire and he said great now what are we now mm -hmm. what are we gonna do <laughs> so and, um, you know, so that was his, I mean, he, he was a very calm, unperturbable kind of a guy. I like that. You know, it's important. What, know? what do you think he would think of the move downtown, with the Pistons move downtown? You know, I think that he, in the last couple um, months of his life, and, you know, he's been gone now nine years, so, you know, things have changed a lot down here. But he started to talk about, especially with his philanthropy, that he wanted to make sure that we were going to do things in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the only direction he gave us, really. And, you know, I think he, he um, you know, always saw that the Pistons could be back downtown someday. And, you know, I understand that he had maybe, you know, talked about it with, um, with Mr. Illich or, you know, from what I've heard. But, I mean, I don't know, like, how, you know, the extent of that. Um, but, you know, I think that he always, um, he was always coming back down here trying to do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he revamped, he tried to revamp the neighborhood parks here 25 years ago and that didn't turn out so well because the city at that time wasn't really, didn't have the capability to, um, maintain these mm -hmm. after, you know, we rebuilt like 25 parks or 30 parks and the city didn't have the capability that time to maintain them. Um, he also wanted to uh, revamp the state fairground 20 years ago and put auto racing there, and then that didn't work. So, you know, he, he always was trying things. But, um, 
and he was doing a lot of things quietly down here too that 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 he didn't put his name on but um you know the pistons people have to remember when they left kobo 40 years ago or whatever it was you know we were getting 2000 people to the basketball i mean people just didn't care about the, well, the pistons weren't that good but people didn't really care yeah. about coming to see the pistons play uh down here and um you know when we got some success and we moved back to Detroit for that one year in the mid eighties. And by that time we had Isaiah here and, you know, uh, we were starting to sell out Joe Lewis for that one year. And, uh, anyway, you know, I think there was always an audience for it down here. And, uh, I think he ultimately might've brought him back if mm-hmm. he did, if he'd lived to be a hundred. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, was it emotional for you to, to leave the to, to say goodbye to the palace. <laughs> well, the whole thing after after he died, uh, you know, has been tough in that regard anyway. Because um, you know, for various reasons, we couldn't hang on to the to the family businesses, and uh, um, you know, the family was kind of uh, you know disunited in different ways, and so you know, we ended up selling these. Uh, um, selling these business businesses off. So I, I've kind of gotten used to it. Um, but, uh, you know, I like the idea of them being downtown. Yeah. I always liked that, that idea. And, uh, you know, I helped out a little bit with getting some historical, st- you know, piston stuff for the arena down. Yeah. There. Um, what was yeah. kind of a fun piece that, um, something that was special that you, I don't know if you discovered or the, that, well, uh, that you brought back. Well, let's see. We got, um, uh, well, you know, Rashid Wallace had these uh, wrestling belts. You know, he when the Pistons won the championship in 2004, Rashid Wallace got these, uh, you know, big time, whatever you want to call it, WWE, yeah. whatever it's called, the big wrestling championship right. wrestling oh, my. belts. And he got everybody's name put on them. So, um, he, and he got a couple just for himself. So he, when he heard that we were working on this project down here, Rashid was generous enough to uh, give us one of his. Oh my gosh! <laughs> championship wrestling belts. Where are where are where can you find all this? It's all throughout kind of the in different areas okay. of Little Caesars. Uh, oh, how fun! Know, I'll have to keep my you have to keep eye, your eye oh, out yeah. for it. And um, we found there was like a uh, my my partner on this project, Franz Lids, um, found a Pistons board game believe it or not from the early 1950s it was before they were even in they were the pistons but they weren't in detroit yet. yeah and um so you know there's a pistons it's actually i think the charlie ekman board game and charlie ekman was our coach back then wow but uh so we found some some funny stuff i I, this isn't really a question but i thought just as i was like doing my research that you know when you guys won the championship in 2004 that yeah you got also won the Stanley Cup with the Tam- with Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay Lightning so and won the um, and won the uh, women's basketball championship. And no owners like that's never happened before, right? Well, no, to- no owner has ever won two in the same year, and my dad won three in the same year. So, are you a hockey? Were you a hockey fan as well? Was, well, it, was this like fu- the best you know, year ever? Or? The funny thing was, it, so it's funny because I, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not even really a sports. Guy. <laughs> But, um, but you know, I, of course, I love the Pistons. I grew up with them. I follow the, I mean, I still will follow the Tampa Bay Lightning, too. So, but it's, you know, I have my teams, but I'm not like a, 
Yeah. You know, I don't care about any other. I mean, unless unless I have another friend that owns a team, like I've, you know, I mean, of course I'm a. I like all the other Detroit teams because I got to know the some of the people that, you know, yeah. work there. But, um, you know, I, I support my friends that have sports teams. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. What's um? I only have a problem when the Red Wings play the Lightning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh, what a year that! What, what I mean, that's incredible. Uh, um, what is? Do you think your would have been like the favorite thing about Little Caesars Arena that? Mm. Um, or what's your favorite thing or what do you think your dad would be um, uh, his favorite thing? Because even with the palace, I feel like he did a lot of innovative and like things yeah. um, for that arena that, you know, weren't done before. So yeah. what's something about this that's just like super special? There's two things that um, that occur to me. You know, it's nice to be able to go to this building and, you know, see my dad's name up on the banner there with the other pistons you know they've got the retired numbers and you know there's there's one that says uh davidson you know mr d and that's 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 pretty cool and then the other thing that um that i like is um they were good enough at little caesars to uh hire on a lot of our hourly employees that are like the ushers and stuff so when i go Mm -hmm. through and a lot of those people had been with us at the palace for you know 30 years and now they're down here at Little Caesars. And, you know, usually, I mean, these are people that are just, you know, they're, they're hourly wage employees. So, like, when the one business closes and a new business opens, a lot of times those people just get left behind, right? They can't – it's not the same as an executive that's you know, can negotiate for a, yeah. oh, for a wow, job at the new place. So they hired a lot of our, our – our, I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't make it, but there's a lot that did. And um, so when I go through Little Caesars and I can see um, the ushers or productions people that were with us at the palace That's and a nice. lot of people who I have friendships with, um, well, that goes back to relationships. Yeah. You know, makes you feel like you're at home. That's amazing. And that's yeah. like so nice to hear that, that, that's like energy and pre- like everyone, yeah. like from, from the crew, the same, the that's same cool. group of people. Well, they didn't have to hire any of them. Yeah. Right. So that's so special. That's nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, um, I can't even believe this. Thirty minutes has flown by. Um, <laughs> the one question that we do ask everyone, which I have to squeeze in, sure. is if you could have a drink with anyone, who would it be? If I could have a they drink could... with anyone, oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. One that pops into my mind. I don't know why is, uh, you know, the. Uh, um, how do I describe her? You know, Carrie Nation, the woman that got alcohol banned in the United States hundred years oh ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what a what a story. No one has ever said that. That's a really that's an excellent question. You know, like uh, excellent answer. Get her to. I'd like to think I could get her to, even her to have a drink. Uh, <laughs> when you're not drinking coffee, what's your drink of choice? Um, you know, I I I like um. I like whiskeys. Mm-hmm. I like um, I like aged tequila. I like uh, I like you know I like Bell's Brewery. I like uh, Alaskan Brewing Company. Nice. I like I like wine. If it's got booze in it, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What um, 
um, before we wrap up, is anything like shows coming up? Like, where can we get your music? Like, what's well, you know, what's uh, what's next? I'm, I have a garage full of CDs, so if you want to stop by and take some, you'd be helping me clean my garage. Um, it's I think you know it's available online somewhere, maybe Bandcamp or uh, something like that, or EthanDanielDavidson.com. Okay, great. I feel like I could just chat for hours. Yeah, I yeah. thank you for opening up about <laughs> your music and your family, sure. and um, yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah. having a drink with us so well, i'd like to have another drink with you yeah we'll have to do so. part two <laughs> we'll do, we'll part, do two. part two with the with the whiskey sounds good um cool well thank you everyone for listening to a drink with detroit we'll talk to you soon cheers <laughs>